to jump into our message this morning. We're in our resharpening series. Our kind of verse for the whole series has been Ecclesiastes 10.10. And this is what it says. It says, a dull axe requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. What we've been talking about over the last couple weeks are areas in our life where God has come to us and basically said, listen, I, you, you got an axe, you got a, a tool that you're using, and that's great and fine. But as you're using it, it's going to eventually get a little dull. And when our axe becomes dull, the problem is, is it takes a lot of work to do what God's wanting us to do. So God comes to us in, in these areas and in these things, and he's basically saying, listen, I want you to sharpen your axe. I want you to be more effective for me in these areas, because this is going to change your life. It's going to change the life of your family and the community and all these things, which is important. And here's kind of the idea and the concept. It's in your notes if you have them, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't. It says this, when the axe in our, is sharp in our life, we are more effective. That's what we're wanting. We're wanting to be more effective for God. When the axe head gets dull, we get less done with twice the effort. And so a lot of times people get wore out, they get tired, they're going, man, I don't understand why this is so hard and all these sort of things. And a lot of times what we have to realize is the thing that we're supposed to be using isn't really sharp. I mean, you can cut down a tree with a dull axe. It's going to hurt it's going to be a lot of time. It makes more sense to get this axe sharpened so you're ready to go. Last week we talked about several different things, and this week we're going to be talking about this idea, and again, it's in your notes, about resharpening your mind. Resharpening your mind. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 15, uh, 15a as we kind of get into this, but before we get into our verse, I want to pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to what you want to share with us. You love us, you have a great plan for us, and you want to help us in this area. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in Deuteronomy 15, 15a, God here is basically talking to his children. He's talking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, and this is what it says. He says to them, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember that you were once slaves. Now let's look again at another verse in Deuteronomy, just a chapter or so later, Deuteronomy 16.2, and this is what it says. He says it again. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all of these decrees. Here's what's interesting. God here is commanding his children. He's telling them, listen, this is important. You need to understand this. Now, we're going to show you, I'm going to show you later on, but I didn't want to put it just boom, boom, boom. But later on, there's another verse in Deuteronomy, and guess what it basically says? Remember. Okay? When God repeats himself, it's not because you're hard of hearing. It's because God is going, listen, I really want you to get this. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. And can we just be honest with ourselves? Most of us are pretty hard-headed me being the chief one, I'm pretty stubborn. And a lot of times I have to hear things over and over and over again. And then finally I have this epiphany and I go, oh, maybe God is telling me to remember something. Okay? It's important. He's commanding us to do that. Now, listen, for some people, remembering is not something they like to do. 
We're going to talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. So I understand that for some of us, remembering is not something that we get all excited about. Now, maybe you're like me, okay? I am one of these people that, that has some serious mental issues because I, like, like, remember way too many things. Like, I remember things that just don't matter at all. And then my wife will say, hey, you remember how I told you to do this? And I'm like, uh, no. But I do remember what I got for Christmas in 1984. You know, stuff that doesn't matter so much, but it matters to me. So I can remember certain things, but other things I might have a hard time. What's wonderful here, God doesn't just command us to remember, and this is in your notes, God tells us what we need to remember. Okay? So it's important that we get that. Not only does God say, hey, I need you to remember and then walk away. He says, I need you to remember. And then he tells us what we need to remember. Now, in these verses, he's very specific. He says, I need you to remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. In, in Deuteronomy 15, it, it even goes one step further. He says, and that the Lord your God redeemed you. I love that word, redeemed. Okay. Basically, what that really means is basically God came and basically God said, you know what, I'm going to take you as my own. I'm going to redeem you. You ever have a coupon? What do you do with a coupon? You go to the store and you go, look, uh, you go to the, 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 the person there checking people out and they said, okay, your bill is, is you bought a, a thing of dish soap. You know, your bill's $2, and you go, oh, but wait a minute, I have a coupon. And you hand them the coupon, and they go, oh, congratulations. Now your soap costs you $1.90. And you go, wow, I saved a dime. You redeemed the coupon. God has redeemed us. He wants to redeem us, and he wants us to help us to remember that. But here's the thing. Here's what I found. For some people, like I said, remembering's not easy. Remembering's not fun. Because some of the things you remember are not pleasant. And here's the thing, as we talk about these things this morning, I completely understand that for some of us, memories and remembering and the things in our mind are not easy. And I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm not trying to say that those things don't matter and that they're not painful and hurtful. Because here's the bottom line. All of us, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what your background was, it doesn't matter if you, were, you, you grew up in the, in the Leave it to Beaver household or you, lived, you grew up in a really bad place, in a really bad situation, it doesn't matter how you grew up or what you've done, all of us have hurts. All of us are dealing with things that we have done or people have done to us or things that have happened. And so I, what I'm talking about today is not the fact, because God doesn't command you to basically be able to just forget. But he does command you to remember. And here's the thing to understand. You can do this, okay? Because I know what is going to happen. I'm just, I, just, I just know. You're, I'm going to be speaking these things, and you're going to go, Aaron, I can't do that. Aaron, that's impossible. Listen to me. God is not going to command you to do something that you cannot do with his help. He will help you do this. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. It will be extremely difficult. But it's so important. And let me, let, me, let me say this, and I really do believe this. This is not pastor speak. If we can do this, this will literally change your life. Literally, every part of it. This can change 
you. But here's how I want you to understand this concept and think. All of us, basically, or not all of us, but a large, large majority of us walked in here with a small device in our pocket or in our purse that we basically carry with us all the time. It's a cell phone. It's got a screen on it, right? Now, here's how this works. Basically, you have that screen, you have that device, and you get to decide what you bring up on it. Like, for example, on my device, I have a Bible app, and I have sports apps, and I have all these different things. I have documents that I've written. I have wedding ceremonies that I've written and have on there, and all sorts of different things. But here's what happens. If I just stare at the phone, and I don't do anything, and I don't bring anything up, if I don't type in the file if I want, or if I don't hit the button that brings up the app, nothing's going to come on the screen. There are things in your life you cannot control. There are things that are on your computer or on your cell phone that you had no control over. But here's what I know. You get to choose what you bring up on that screen. Just like you get to choose what you bring upon your cell phone. You want to say, hey, I, I think I want to go check Twitter. You are the one that does that. Twitter does not read your mind and go, hey, I think I'll pop open. You choose. You bring it up. And a lot of what we're talking about this morning is the understanding of you get to choose what you put on your screen. Basically, you get to choose what you dwell on and what you don't dwell on. Okay? Because all those things are going to be hard, are on there, but you get to choose whether you're going to bring them up. So that brings us to a question. What are you putting on your screen? What are you putting on? on your screen. If you look at the notes, and it's going to be on the screen, I kind of brought this up. In life, you cannot always control the things that happen to you or the things people say or do, but you can control what you put on the screen. You control that. You can do that. You can say, I will not dwell on this. Because here's the thing. Can we just be honest? You know, listen, if you, you've never heard me before, or you don't know who I am, I just tell you how it is, okay? I don't, I don't beat around the bush. I don't try to sugarcoat it. The bottom line is, is there are people right now, and there may be some of you in this room, that are choosing to be miserable. You're choosing to bring up constantly on your computer screen hurts and pains and disappointments and all those things. I've met people that, that do that. I'll walk up and I'll say, hi, I'm Aaron. And it's like they say, hi, my name is, is, is Joe. And I was hurt back, when I, back in 1942. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did I, maybe, can I get your last name first, maybe, you know? And it's just, that's where they live. It's, their hurt defines them. They're, they're, they're remembering things, but they're remembering not what God has asked them to remember, but what they have chosen to remember because they want to live there. Listen, you need to understand this. God does not want you to be miserable. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture. God wants you to have a life that is full and abundant and amazing. Not perfect. There's no such thing as perfect life but a life with him that is just life-giving and life-breathing and life-changing. But for some of us, we won't let that happen because we are wanting to live in that hurt. We want to constantly bring up the pain and the disappointment. We meet somebody new and we won't open up to them because somebody hurt us before. And we remember the wrong things. I'm going to show you an example of how the children of Israel, in a lot of ways, remembered the wrong things. 
Okay, now remember, we just talked about how in Deuteronomy, God said you need to remember and remember these things. But if we look here, they're going to remember some of the bad things. They're going to remember some of the things they shouldn't remember. And it really causes them some issues. So in Exodus 16, this is what's going on. Now, let me kind of give you a little bit of, of, of context real quick before we get into Exodus 16. Right before this, okay, right before this moment, basically the ten plagues has happened, okay? Basically, the children of Israel are slaves, obviously, in Egypt. And God, through Moses, delivers them and it just does some amazing stuff. So they leave, okay? And everything's like, yeah, this is great, we're free. They go out, and then the army basically says, uh, wait a minute, this may not be such a good idea. And they chase them down. And so now they're pinned between the Red Sea and the army coming to either kill them or take them back into slavery. And God parts the Red Sea, okay? They walk on dry land across it, and then the army chases them, and God goes, <laughs> and they all drown. They celebrate. It's this amazing miracle. I mean, mind-blowing stuff. And now we come to Exodus 16, and this is what they say. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Okay? If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. This is, this is their moment. This is this unbelievable thing. And they're going, this stinks. This is, I can't believe this is happening. God, you could have, you just brought us out to die. Why'd you do this? In numbers, we see basically the same idea. Another moment, basically with the same kind of complaining in stories. Look at what it says in Numbers 5.11. They're basically saying the same thing. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Now stop for just a moment. They're slaves. I want you to think about that. For just a moment, let's say after service, we say, listen, we're all going to go out and we're going to go eat at, oh, I don't know, Chili's. And you go, okay, great. I say, listen, this is a great deal, okay? You get your meal for free at Chili's today. You get your meal for free for as long as you are alive. Congratulations, you are the grand prize winner. And you go, ooh, I get free chilies for the rest of my life. And then I say, oh, but one other thing. There's the fine print you need to be aware of, okay? You have to work at chilies for no pay for the rest of your life. But hey, you get free food at chilies. I mean, they got that cake with the lava and chocolate inside. And you, it's for free. Now, how many of us would go, yeah, dude, sign me up. Because I'm just telling you, Chili's is that good. This is what they're saying. They're going, we got free food. You were slaves. But we got free fish. And look, they go on any further. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. They were slaves. They are remembering the wrong thing. They're forgetting the fact that they had to work and toil 
They're forgetting the fact that here's what's even funnier about it is this is probably not what was really happening. They, prob they were slaves. They were probably not getting all this food, but they were romanticizing it. They were like, oh, I remember back in Egypt. And they do this over and over again. They're remembering. They're bringing up on their screen the wrong thing. When God said, hey, remember that you were a slave and I set you free. Instead, they're going, I remember when we were a slave. You know what's happening here? Hear me. You need to understand this concept. They were actually free physically, but mentally and spiritually, they were still slaves in Egypt. You see, a lot of us, we want to experience the freedom that God can give us. And so we'll ask Jesus to come in. We'll have him be our savior. But you know what? We, we're not completely changed to the extent that God wants us to be changed. That's part of your growing. That's part of your journey where God is basically saying, listen, I want to free you completely. What did Jesus say? He said, the, who the son sets free is free indeed. What is he saying? He's basically communicating, I want to set you free in every area of your life. What does that mean is understanding what we're talking about this morning? He wants to free you from your past. He wants to free you from that pain. He wants to free you and heal you from all those things. So again, we talked about it. Well, then, then Aaron, what am I supposed to talk? What am I supposed to think about? Well, God tells us that too in Philippians 4.8. In Philippians 4.8, God tells us, and he says through the prophet, or through the apostle Paul, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. What's that mean? Simple. Remember. Keep it in the forefront. When you pull something up on your screen, make sure it goes along with these things. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's what God's telling us to think about. Now, I understand that in our world today, can we be honest? There's not a lot to think about that kind of goes along with Philippians 4.8. But you know what? I promise you, they're there. I promise you that you can find them. It may be harder for some, but for every individual that's here, you have things that you can focus on. You have things that you can remember. You can have things that you bring up that will do that. The last thing I want to talk about before we kind of get into our, our baptismal service is this, because I want to give us some application. Now that we know God's commanded us to remember, now that God has kind of commanded us what not to remember and what to remember, we need to do some things in our own heart that God wants to help us with to bring that to a reality. So here it is. How to reset our minds to remember the things God has told us to remember. I had a friend in college, and I didn't know him real well first couple years, and, but you know, he was kind of an acquaintance kind of guy. And then later on, I actually moved um, with my roommate. We moved up on his hall. Um, and so we lived actually a little bit closer. And uh, he was a great guy. I'm not going to share his name because you never know. He may watch this one day and say, thanks a lot, dude. Uh, no, he won't. But, but, but I remember um, he was just... Have you ever met one of those people that is just annoyingly happy? You get it? You know, and, and I'll, I don't know. I mean, I'm like this. I'm just a horrible, terrible person. But I'm like, dude, you're so fake. I mean, that, and when I met this guy, I was like, dude, this guy's so fake. He's like, you can't be that happy. 
You can't be that joyful. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being, trying to be a pastor, you know, and I'm like, whatever. And I remember having that attitude with this guy. And I remember like going, come on, man. It's like, okay, okay, listen, you know, you're going to get a pimple next week and then the whole world's going to blow up. You just wait and see. And it just didn't happen. And so finally, I'm like, dude, what? Come on, man. Like, seriously? It's like you won the lottery every day and you're not playing it. How is this working for you? Because I wanted that. You know, that's what's interesting. Is when you find somebody who understands this concept, you go, I want that for my life. I, I, I want that. That's what I want. And I basically what I was saying, I said, can you tell me what, tell me about your life? Well, because well, I figured, I figured he had like a leave it to beaver childhood. I figured, you know, his dad was a pastor and he was this, blah, blah, blah. And he began to share with me some of the most unbelievable things I've ever heard. And I'm not going to get into it this morning. But when he talked about his childhood, his parents, his grandparents, his life, good Lord. I mean, I'll just put it this way. If you can dream it up, it happened to this guy. And, I, and I, it was unbelievable. I mean, he would tell me that his father would... And I'll put it this way. This was, this was tame for him. He said his father would come home every night when he was a boy. I mean, like eight, nine years old. And he would just scream at him for like an hour. You're worthless. You were a mistake. I cannot believe what... He, he said, I remember my father would never talk about God unless he would say something to the effect of, God must really hate me to give me a son like you. And that's, this was tame. And I just, I'm just sitting there with my mouth floored. Like, what? Like, how in the world do you do this? I said, how? He said, but you know, and then it, it became clear. He said, but you know, my dad, you know, there were a lot of bad things, but, you know, my dad worked really, really hard to provide for our family. And I literally stopped, and I said, wait a minute. You mean the guy that did A, B, C, and D? And he goes, you know, Aaron, I discovered a long time ago I could focus Basically, what he was saying was, I can remember, I can pull up on my screen all the things that my father did to hurt me. Or, I can choose to remember the good, even though it wasn't much. It, it, it floored me. It challenged me. Because I looked at it and I went, my, my dad loves me. You know, what, what am I complaining about? We've got to understand, we get to choose. We get to choose. So how do we do that? How do we become like my friend, who may have had all the reasons not to, but still chose? The first one is really simple, but it's so important. Number one, we have to remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done for you. 
We're going back to Deuteronomy again. Deuteronomy 15, 15 again. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. You didn't. You couldn't. But God can, and God did. You've got to understand that. And you go, well, Aaron, I, I haven't really accepted Jesus. I, but you know what? It's here and it's available. Look at, look at Galatians 3. I love this verse. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now stop here and listen to what this is saying. Okay? This isn't saying that you will get to be a slave for God when you accept him. It isn't saying you get to be an acquaintance of God when you come to faith in Jesus. It says you get to be a child of God. God adopts you into his family. This is so revolutionary if we can understand it and grasp it, even though it's so hard to understand and you go, it's so simple. Yeah, but you've got to understand the God who spoke the very worlds into existence wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to be that dad. He wants to be that parent. He wants to be that God that can bring you close to him. And when we begin to remember, listen, it, when we talk about all the things, and I'm not trying to belittle the pain, and I'm not trying to belittle the hurt, I'm not trying to say those things, don't, you don't deal with them, because I know you do, we all do, but we have to remember what God has done for us. God has come down and through Jesus offered himself for us so that we would no longer be slaves to sin and to death, but instead that we could walk in life and fulfillment and joy and peace and all these things, all of these things are a part of our freedom if we'll grab a hold of them. But you know what? We'll have a really hard time if all we tend to do is remember that, you know what, supposedly back in Egypt we had cucumbers. Doesn't matter how nice the cucumbers are in slavery, you're still a slave. But God said, Listen, I love you. I want to redeem you. I want to bring you home. I want you to be mine. And one of the greatest things that we have to do, listen, when you start to go down that road and you start to pull up the hurt and you start to pull up the, oh, I remember Sally Joe, you know, what Sally Joe did to me and blah, blah, blah. Remember, stop for a second and go, you know what? I remember what God has done for me. How much he loved me. How much he cares. And there's even one step further that God goes, check this out. Number two, remember what God has chosen to remember. Remember what God has chosen. Listen, look at Hebrews 12.8. Okay, we need, to un we need to unpack this a little bit, but here's what it says. Hebrews 12.8 says, God is speaking here. And here's what's interesting. God is, uh, the writer of Hebrews is actually quoting, I believe, from Jeremiah. I can't remember if it's Isaiah or Jeremiah, please forgive me. But he's quoting from that scripture. So this is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is what it says. God's speaking to us, and he says, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now let's talk about this, because that, that sounds kind of strange, because we believe God knows everything. God knows it all. So is, it, is, is God sitting up in heaven basically going, oh, you know, there's that guy Josh down there, and yesterday I know he did something wrong. 
I know he was kind of mean or something, but I just, I just, I just forgot what he did, you know? Is that, no, that's not what God is doing. God is choosing to look at you and me and going, you know what? Because of Jesus, because of his, the, 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 the sacrifice, I am choosing to not bring up your past, your sin on my screen. So what's he do? On his screen, he brings up forgiven. He brings up son or daughter of mine. He brings up my precious one, my lovely, my treasure. That's what God brings up on his screen when he thinks about you. And here's the bottom line. If he wanted, he could bring it all up on me and you and everybody else and have a heyday. But he chooses something different. He chooses, you know what? I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to see them through the, the sacrifice of my son, which is so awesome. So those are two really important ones. But so is this one, the last one. And I kind of, this is kind of wordy and maybe it doesn't sound right, but it sounded right to me as I wrote it. Remember that remembering the first two should affect what we choose to remember concerning others. Huh. We have to start with one and two. Here's the problem that we have in life, okay? Too many people, they want to deal with number three without first understanding one and two. You've got to understand one and two first. Because when you can understand one and two, that is what's going to change you to understand number three. Okay, let's look at a portion of scripture that a lot of us know, but it's, it just is so important that we understand this and see this. Matthew 18. Jesus is speaking here. He's giving this parable. And, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his, oh, we jumped ahead, with his servants, I believe. Did we not have 24 up there? I got it here. It's okay. I'll get it from here, okay? I may have not gotten it to, to Linda. That's my fault. All right, 1824. Here we go. In the process, no, maybe, I, maybe, go ahead and do the next one, Monica. Maybe I was wrong. No, not quite yet. Okay. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, okay? So this is what's happening. The king is, has lent out some money and lent out this particular servant like a million bucks, which is a lot of money, obviously. In verse 25, it says he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, let's remember what's happening here. He's got a million dollars debt, and the king doesn't say, hey, listen, we'll, we'll work out a payment plan. Uh, you can pay me in, in monthly installments. He doesn't do that. The king basically looks at him and says, it's gone. He wipes the debt away. Gone. I mean, you know, that would be a pretty good day. If I, you know, it's like you go to the king and you're like, okay, I, got, I don't have any money. Uh, all my stuff's going to be sold. This is really bad. And the king says, it's forgiven. It's gone. It's wiped away. Let's continue now with verse number 28. That might be up there. There we go. But when the man left the king, 
he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, that sound familiar, and begged for a little more time, sound familiar? Be patient with me, I, I will pay it, he pleaded, does that sound familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now let's finish the story, verse number 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. And this is an unbelievable question that we need to ask ourselves when we understand this concept. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Now, a lot of times when we hear this story, it's talked about when the concept of forgiveness makes total sense. And it is a little bit about forgiveness, but I want to look at it slightly differently today. Because I think not only was it a story about forgiveness, it was also a story about forgetfulness. The man in Jesus' story left the king's palace and almost immediately forgot what the king had done for him. Think about that for a second. When you begin to understand what God has done for you, when you start to remember that he has chosen all the things, all the mess-ups, all the screw-ups, all the things that you have done or will ever do, God has looked at you and said, you know what, when you come and you accept me, I'll wipe it all clean. Although the scripture says your sins are like scarlet red, I'll make them white as snow. Even though God has forgiven us such an unbelievable debt, we'll look at each other and say, you know what? How dare you say something mean about me? How dare you do that? I can't believe you hurt me or did this. And listen, I'm not trying to say those things aren't painful and they're not hurtful. What I am trying to say is that God wants to do something amazing in them. And that happens in the way that God wants it to when we understand what he's done for you and me. In that moment when you realize how much God has done. In that moment, when you choose to bring up on your screen all that God has done, when people hurt you, and when people, you know, listen, I know so many people that, that have had issues, have hurts, and they just can't let them go. You know? They just keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up. It's like, you know, it's like a husband or a wife or a kid or a parent, you know, it's like the kid, you know, grows up and, and the parent is, has, has changed and God's done some things or whatever and the kid will just kind of sit there and go, yeah, yeah, but I remember when. That is so, that, listen, hear me here. That is so just, just devastatingly destructive in your life. I'm not saying that God just says, listen, I'm going to go into your little hard drive and wipe it clean and just make flowers and bunnies and rainbows come out. What he is commanding us to do is to help us to understand what we need to bring to our screen. And from our very beginning of our verses that we were looking at, what did Jesus really say or what did God really say? He said, remember that you were once a slave in Egypt and I redeemed 
you. Here's the secret. Here's the secret. You want this to change your life? Here's the secret. Live a life that is constantly on your screen the truth that you are a son or a daughter of God. That God has a purpose for you and the purpose God has for you is so good that he loves you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never say, you know, I'm out. He will constantly be there for you. Will people hurt you? Yes. Will people say things that that hurt you? Yes. Will you do things that hurt others? (laughs) Yes. But you still get to choose what you bring up on your screen. You get to make that decision. And when you can allow God to help you to bring those things up that are beautiful, that are lovely and true and good, I promise you, it will revolutionize your life. It will revolutionize the way you deal with God and how you deal with others. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. I'm also going to invite those that are getting baptized to go ahead and get ready. I want to talk to you really quickly, and then we're going to have our baptismal time. I'll ask you a simple question. You may have been sitting here listening to this and kind of going, man, this guy's weird and he's pretty excitable. Um, maybe he needs to switch to decaf or something like that. I don't know. But in this situation, you've kind of been sitting there and, and you've kind of come to a little bit of a realization. You see, the scriptures that we've been looking at this morning really began with the concept that is a concept that comes from an idea of freedom that God wants to bring in you and through you. And you go, you know, Aaron, I'll be honest with you, I've never really experienced that. What, what does that mean? Once, once again, we go back to that word that, that God used in Deuteronomy, and I love that he used it all the way back in the Old Testament, but this idea of redeemed. Redeemed. What that basically means and how to understand it is really simple. God created us all. God made us and we were his. And because of the choices that we made, we rebelled against God. We sinned. And because of that, we were separated from God. Because God is holy. And when we sinned, we became very, very not. Jesus came and he offered himself for us. So that basically we could go back and be close to God again. And when we accept him, God forgives us. God brings us that freedom that he talked about in Deuteronomy. But not freedom, listen, not freedom from a place. Not freedom from um, even situations. But freedom from the power of sin and death. Big things. And God says, you know, if you'll just accept me and accept that forgiveness, I'll make everything new. We're going to have a baptismal in a second. And here's the thing about baptism. It's a visual representation of something really, really cool. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to see people and they're going to get baptized and they're going to walk up here and they're going to go. And they're going to get ready to get in the water. And here's the thing. When, when they're right about here, they are going to look one way. But when they get out over here, they are going to look completely different. 
completely different. Why? Simple. Because when God comes and God brings us that freedom, he changes everything. The Bible says, although we were dead, through Christ, we can be alive. That's what it symbolizes. It's kind of this idea of, of dying, but being raised back to a new creation. And you go, you know what, Aaron? I need that. You see, here's the thing. You can't find the freedom you're looking for on your own. God has to set you free. And you can try all the different things, but I promise you it won't work. It's only Jesus. So here's the deal. If you've been alive, you know, anything more than 10 years, you've tried pretty much all that you can come up with. Trust me on this. From the age of about 10 to on, you just repeat it over and over again with different things. But basically, it's the same concepts. You're trying to do it on your own. You've tried it. How about give Jesus a shot? How about let somebody bigger than you and greater than you that has the power to change everything, how about let him do that this morning? Because he will, and he can, and he's offering it to you. So here's what we're going to do. Let's all close our eyes, bow our heads. We're going to move into baptism in just a moment, but this is really important. I'm going to ask really quickly. I'm not going to dwell on it, and I'm not going to do the make you come up here and do the hokey pokey. I, I'm, I just want to pray with you. But you would say, you know what, Aaron? My mind is all over the place, and I'm thinking about things. And, but the bottom line is, 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 is I haven't really been set free from Egypt yet. And I know that Jesus is the only one that can do that. Without anybody looking around, without any... Because this is really just between you and God. Would you just do me a favor? I'm watching, but nobody else is. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to be able to pray with you. Is there anybody? It's okay. Anybody at all? All right. That's okay. That's good. I'm glad that all of us are, are experiencing that freedom that God has. But let me take it one step further. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing that freedom, but you tend to keep bringing up Egypt, if that makes sense. Instead of remembering all that God has done for you, you tend to remember all the hurts and all the things. You can kind of bring those up on your screen. And in that, because of that, you're miserable. You're not experiencing the life that God has called you to and God has for you. And so you would say, you know what, Aaron? I need to make that change. Listen, if that's you, God can help you this morning. God wants to help you this morning. God wants to bring healing and hope into those areas if you'll ask him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and then the worship team is going to lead us in a, in a song, and then we're going to have our baptismal. But if that's you, here's what you need to do. It's real simple. You just need to say, My, God, I need your help. God, I need healing in this area. And be specific. Be specific. And then let him begin to heal you. Let him begin to do those things in your heart. And then when you leave this place, do the three things I asked you to do. Remember the three application points and use them in your life. It, it, it's going to take time. Okay, this is a journey for people with some deep hurts. Yeah, God wants to bring some healing, but there's still going to be a journey associated with it. And that's okay. That's good. That's not a problem. But let's take our first step today. Okay? 
Let's take our first step today. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this time and this moment. And Father, for those that are bringing those things up, God, resharpen our minds, resharpen our memory, resharpen us to those things that we need to remember and need to focus in on. And God, I pray for just complete healing in those things. God, we're not here to belittle or act like that didn't matter. These things are important. But God, they're so important that you are the only one that can really do the work that you desire to do. We can try and it just really won't be enough, but God, you can do it. So we ask you to do that in our hearts, in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a chorus.
Hi, Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe, you might want to, can you kind of sit over there for me a little bit? Thank you. Our amazing drummer. Good job. All right. You may be seated. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is, and if you know me at all, this will speak volumes. This is like Christmas for me. Baptizing people is one of the coolest things I get to do. I mean, it's awesome. So I'm going to go, we're going to go and get started. So first, I'm going to ask Jacob to come on up. Is he, is he, there he is. Okay, buddy, come on. This is Jacob K. Wood. He's going to come up here and I'm going to help him get in here. So. How you doing? I'm good. You good? Yeah. This is cool, man. I'm so glad. Oh, man. Jacob started coming here about, what, about a month ago or so, right? Two months ago? Already, yeah. It's already. Time flies when you're having fun, you know? And uh, he very early on was like, man, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, guess what? We got the, we got the tub. We got me. We got the, in the water warm. I told you. Yeah, he goes, he goes. Hope there's no pee in here. No, no, no. No, we know, hey, we filled it, and it was the first we've been in here, okay? So I'm good. If you're good, we're good, okay? All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell people about that one one day, I tell you what. So anyway, um, so Jacob, um, it's been so awesome to get to know you and to see God working in your life. Uh, before we baptize you, is there, why do you want to get baptized? I was a dead man walking, and Jesus saved me. He's the only way. That's cool. All right, buddy. Well, I'm proud of you. And, and honestly, it is my honor and privilege to be able to baptize you, okay? It's an honor to get baptized well, by you, man. Well, you, you, I, I get the better out of this deal, I promise you. So, you ready? All right, come on back here. All right, right there. I'm going to move this mic just a hair. Let's see. I think that's good. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Can everybody hear me okay? Oh, good. All right. Jacob, because you love Jesus, make sure, hold on here. We got some tall people. So I'm going to have to, Crystal, you'll be able to be closer, but we're going to have to move you guys over, okay? I don't want anybody knocking heads. Okay. Here we go. Now can you guys hear me? I can talk loud. Okay. Jacob, because you love Jesus, because you've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, and because you desire to show an outward expression of an inward work, it is my honor and joy to now baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit.
Now, Crystal, just so you know, he already got me all soaking wet, so you don't have to worry about it, okay? All right. Let me get this towel from you here. So this is Crystal Perry, and and this has been oh, I'm, I'm gonna get through this. I promise. Um, it has been such a joy to watch you grow and watch you become the woman of God, and that God's called you to be. And and here's what's so cool: <laughs> you've just started, and it's just. I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And I know that, that God's just going to continue to work in your life and help you and be there. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just blown away that God chose me to be a part of a small part of your journey. Okay? So I know that maybe he's a little scared, but it's gonna be okay. But you want to be able, you want to tell people why you want to get baptized tonight or today? Um, when I was at the lowest of the lows of my life. I thought I was done. I thought I wanted to end my life. And God found me. Yeah. And I have something to live for. My, my days are brighter now, so. Awesome. Yes. I'm so proud of you. And it is such a joy. It is such an honor to be able to baptize you. And so, Crystal, because you've accepted Jesus, because you love him and because you desire to show an outward expression of what God has done in your heart, it is now my honor, my joy, and my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah. Now, now, well, I'll, I'll wait till he gets up here. This is Jason Beaumont. And um, come on in, buddy. I'm going to get in. Hold on one second. Get out of this. There you are. All right. So you got one, two, three. Now, one more. There you go. Okay. Now, now, this is the one I was scared about. Because as you can see, I, I mean, I'm a pretty <clears throat> buff guy. I, I understand that. Okay, that was way too many laughs. Yeah. <laughs> and Emily even said, you know, I was so excited you're going to baptize Jason. And she said, are you going to be able to get him back up? Okay, so we will with God's help and God's strength. But he's promised to help me. But, but Jason, oh, goodness sakes. I, I just, I cannot express. I literally, there are not words to describe how proud I am of you. I have watched you so closely over the last year or so and, and seen God do so many awesome things in you. And, and, and like, like I even said with Crystal, you have just begun. It has just begun. And I cannot, I just, 
I can't believe that God is letting me be a part of your journey. And I'm blown away. I'm so proud of you. And, and I want you to tell everybody real quick, you know, why, why do you want to get baptized? Uh, I mean, I was truly lost. Um, I was a lost soul. And um, I just, I've been found. Um, yeah. I know that Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. And, you know, I was talking to my kids last night about today and I was a little nervous and, and it, you know, my daughter, one of my daughters told me, she's like, Jesus got you, dad. <laughs> and uh, I, I know this and I, yeah. I believe this and, and I'm, I'm grateful and thankful. And I just love, I love God. I, lo I love that you said that you were lost and found because that's all of us. We were all lost and God found us. And it's just so incredible to see that in your life. And, and I'm just excited to share more with you. So Jason, you ready? Okay, here we go. I'm going to set you way over here. There you go. That's fine. Okay. Jason, put this arm down. There we go. Okay. Jason, you can put this arm up. Okay. Here we go. Jason, because you love Jesus, because he loves you, and because you desire, and because you accepted him as your Savior, because you desire to show outward expression. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Let's just, can we just worship him for a moment? Let's just thank him. Thank you, Father, for each of these individuals, God, that have chosen you. They are no different than anyone else. You have reached down and you have saved them. You have found, as Jason said, as we all can say, we were lost and now because of you, we are found. And so we celebrate this morning. We celebrate new life. We celebrate the memories that we have because of what you have done for us. You're so good. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. I hope you have a wonderful week. Remember, men's group meeting this Tuesday and two, week, two Fridays, Friday night invite. Love you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Am I